0: Good morning, Rez. Well, I'm happy to get to be here with you today to get to preach the Word of God. Uh, Pastor Dwayne, as they said, is preaching up in Rockford, and this is part of a series he's asked me to join him in. It used to be called Heart for the House, but now you call it Heart for the Kingdom, uh, talking about things we can do to continue to grow in our love for the Lord and make a difference for the Lord. And so I want to thank Pastor Duane, the staff, for always making me feel welcome It's my joy to join in. I'm going to be in part three of this thing, and this part is called To the Generations. And I want to start, before I preach, I need to say something to you as a church. So you guys know that I travel around the country and preach. That's what I do. And I get to see all sorts of congregations. I get to be in all kinds of places, Um, places where there's liturgy and all type of things related to that, places like you where you're a little more relaxed. And I will tell you that of all the places I go, um, the one place where I see generations interacting the best is here at Res. And I, w- I want to tell you why. I see like out in the hall beforehand, I see like people that look like they're 80 talking to people that look like they're 15. And in most churches, that doesn't happen. In most churches, you know, the people that listen to Bill Gaither Park over here and the people that listen to Post Malone Park over here, they don't even know that those two worlds exist. See, like you people in the happy day, who are the Gaithers? Millennials are like, who are the Gaithers? And that's an old singing group. You older people are like, who's Post Malone? Is that a mailman? No, it's not. And so, you know, you got these two generations and you guys have figured out a way here to intertwine that and to connect with that and to make everyone feel welcome no matter their age and you speak to them you talk to them they feel like they're a part of the group so thank you Rez, for building a community where people from all cultures are welcome and people from all cultures feel welcome so i celebrate that and i think you've done a good job you need to give yourselves a hand for that And today, uh, this actually Pastor Tom here's on staff, and he's been talking a lot to the generations about how we leverage what we got, because uh, you have something special here. You have an opportunity to feed into the lives of those who are millennial age and younger to influence them. And today, I'm going to preach to that group, okay? So I realize today there are people at all ages in here, but I'm specifically going to preach to those of you who are millennial age and younger And I'm going to talk to you about something that people talked to me about when I was your age. And the reason this is a big deal is because you can get a hold of this stuff at your age now. If you're here and you're a junior high, okay? If you can get a hold of this stuff in middle school and you can learn this stuff now, it's going to save you a lot of pain down the road. Because those of us who are my, I'm 57, we've been through pain. And (laughs) My brother, Amen. And we want you to understand it's not because we think we know it all. We don't want you to go through pain. Now, pain has grown me up. It's made me a deeper person. But I wouldn't still choose to have it in my life because pain's not fun. And what I believe you're doing at Res, and what I want to talk about today is kind of what I'm going to show you and demonstrate right here on stage. Uh, I want you to understand, parents, I know you're involved in the life of your students here, the generations, if you will, here at Res. You're involved in their life. You want to make a difference in their life. You're trying to influence them. You're trying to put them in spots where they'll grow in the Lord, etc. The church is doing the same thing. The youth pastors here, the workers, the children's workers, they're trying to do what they can to make a difference in the lives of your children. And what I'm saying today is if you pour these two together, okay, uh, this is the theme right now they're using among the staff here is if we can turn the red and yellow to orange, we can leverage what we're doing and have more of an impact on the life of the students. So today what I'm doing is a little bit of a science experiment. If you pour these two together and see the impact, yeah, we can make an impact. Yeah, that's vinegar and baking soda, no big deal, but that will make and impact and that's the goal for us to pour these two together and empower the students to make a difference for the kingdom of God so parents don't try to do it on your own church don't try to do it on your own let's team up together and see what we can do to help this thing explode thank you team for cleaning that other other, it's vinegar so it smells terrible so they're going to get it out of here So this morning what I'm trying to do is bring the church side, the preacher side, the way we try to train our children up, I'm going to bring that side from the Word of God, and hopefully parents, you will see that as a partnership with you to impact the life of your students. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to take you to Hebrews chapter 12. This is a passage where we're given instructions on how to live. Now... I'm gonna put the passage up on the screen and I'm gonna start reading it, but I need to explain it. It's coming right up on the screen, I'm gonna read it for you. It says, therefore, Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. What is that? What does that mean? Well, Hebrews chapter 11 is the story of people who had awesome faith. You got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Rahab, You got all sort of people in that passage that it talks about how their faith made a difference. And it says, we are all surrounded by that cloud of witnesses. So this morning, I believe that those great heroes of the Bible are watching and looking at our life. They are witnessing the way we live. Today, I want you students in here to understand, you millennials to understand We're witnessing the way you live. When you hear the phrase, we are all witnesses, you guys get a picture of this guy, LeBron James. He made that phrase famous. LeBron came along and because of his amazing basketball ability, by the way, he's still second. That's why I got my KD shirt on. But LeBron, (laughs) LeBron is a great basketball player. Everybody's got to give him that. He ain't no Jordan, but he's great. And when he throws his hands in the air and hit the powder, he was saying to the whole auditorium, the whole gym, everybody who came to the arena to see him, y'all about to witness something amazing. We are all witnesses of LeBron James. And it's kind of interesting to me because I think that's what I'm going to say to you, younger generation today. I want you to understand that we're all witnessing you too. LeBron's got his own shirt that says that, and I want to ask you to have your own life that says, I want to be a witness for the Lord. If you think about it, LeBron looks like he's kind of praising Jesus. He's not really, but that's what it looks like. And today, I'm going to challenge you younger generation to realize we're all witnessing your life, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and your great-great-grandma and grandpa. All those who have gone before you, they're watching you. And you are supposed to now go and be a witness for the Lord. And I'm calling you out to do that today. I'm saying, I believe you can. I'm saying, I believe you can have more of an impact than you think you can. Hey, teenagers sitting in here today, listen up. You can make a mighty impact. You can have more of an impact than LeBron James on the kingdom of God. And I want you to get that. And we are all witnessing what you can do. But in order for that to happen, can you guys throw the verse back up on the screen? If we're going to all be witnesses, you got to do this next thing. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on who? Jesus. Not your grandpa, not your grandma, not your daddy, not your mama, not your preacher, not your youth pastor, not your workers at work. Nope. Jesus because all those other people will let you down. Amen. Jesus won't let you down. You got to fix your eyes on Jesus. And it says in there, be careful of the sin that so easily entangles. Uh, I brought here with me today a, a little fish net. Um, cut it up a little bit, got all kind of little, little things in it. Uh, this little net, I want you to understand, represents here for the illustration this morning what Satan does to us. We're walking along in life, we're just walking along in life, and all of a sudden we get our hands entangled in some sins. And the next thing we know, our, our foot's in it, got a little bit of a foot snare. And, and all of a sudden you keep doing this, and pretty much you find yourself real soon kind of feeling all wrapped up in this thing. Like, like, oh man, how did I end up in this net? How how do I get entangled like this? Some of you today know exactly what your net is. This is the way, like, we are all witnesses. This is what people are witnessing. They're witnessing your life. It's just entangled. You have to decide, do I want to live this way? Is this what I want to leave as a legacy on this earth? Do I want to look like someone who's who's caught in a fishnet? I mean, I I just came from Florida. Don't feel bad for me. I was not down there speaking. My wife Jane is still there. I'm going back down tomorrow. I flew home to preach. And we, we were down yesterday, I was walking on a beach in Florida, and there was this guy fishing. He had a boat, and he, would, he was doing the, like, the schools on top, of the, on top of the water, little fish schools. And he was running up on his boat really fast, right off the shore. I could see him real good. And he would take the net and cast it, and then pull the fish up. And I was looking, yeah, that's what Satan does. He just, he just rides around going, where's that group of people? I want to mess them up. I'll throw my net out, I'll snare them. And we get entangled. And our life gets messed up. And and then we feel like, well, I I can't be a witness because I'm walking around like this. Hey, teens in here, listen to me today, okay? Listen very carefully. I'm preaching this message to you, but a lot of the adults in here really struggle with this stuff. Don't tell them we're talking about them, but they need to know it. And if you don't manage it well when you're in middle school, and you don't manage it well when you're in high school, let me just tell you, the net gets even more trapping. And we got some brothers here that get this, okay? And, And I'm just telling you, today is your day to ask yourself, how do I wanna live? So, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna bring up on the screen some of the things that I think trap us. And I want to ask you, how you doing? I call them killer peas. I'm just going to talk about some different words that start with P that Satan used to ensnare your life. And I want to ask you how you're doing with making sure you're not getting snared. Here's the first one coming up on the screen. It's real easy. The first one is peer pressure. Now, see, we look at that word and we go, oh, yeah, that's a teenage issue. Nope, that issue starts in preschool and die it, stop, it stops when you die. I mean, pr- peer pressure is life. If you don't believe it, ask somebody in here who went financially under why they went financially under. They probably tried to buy a house so they could live in a certain neighborhood so everybody think they had a lot and they didn't have enough money to pay for it and they went under. That's called peer pressure. It happens to everyone and you as an individual have to decide, am I going to live my life To be a witness for the Lord, or am I going to be ensnared and try to make everybody else happy? Because let's all admit it, sometimes we try to make other people happy. If you're a teenager and you're in middle school, I remember being there. I know I look like at the edge of death to you in middle school. I get it. I get it. But I want you to understand, when I was in middle school, um... I didn't fit in. I was from the wrong side of town. My family wasn't anybody. Um, My dad made me wear my hair a certain way, and it was the way that was not in style. He always wanted me to have my hair really, really short, like it is now. Now, Dad, there you go. Got it. (laughs) But when I was in middle school, I wanted long hair because long hair was cool, and I couldn't have long hair. I had to have it cut short like this. So I just, I got made fun of all the time, all the time. Some middle schooler in here gets what I'm saying right now. And when that happened, what did I want to do? I wanted to fit in. So I would do whatever I needed to do. I, I need to fit in. I don't want to look like an outcast. We're human beings. And when you get in that spot, you will do things that you normally would not do. Now, I can tell you standing here at 57, you middle schoolers, I wish I could go back to my middle school. I would just be me because now I found myself. It took me to about 50 to find myself, but now that I have, I'm not ashamed of who I am. I wish I could have got that in middle school. If somebody today doesn't like my hair, (laughs) whoop-dee-doo. I don't really care. But in middle school, you don't feel that way. And so middle schoolers, I get it. I come alongside you and I say I'm sorry because you feel pressured. And so I want to flip it on you and ask you to do something. So driving here this morning, fresh illustration for you. Um, I listen to all sorts of music and this morning I had on B93 and on B93 on Sunday mornings they play a show called the Rise Up Show and it's a show with a little bit of a Christian theme. So they play country music but they'll put a verse of scripture to make it look spiritual. So they kind of have this Rise Up Show. And so I'm listening to the Rise Up Show and the DJ's talking to a caller who called in. It's obviously recorded but it sounds live and So they're talking and it's an older guy. It's a guy, he said, I'm in my 30s. And he said, but I'm one of those guys, I have a really younger sibling who's a teenager. And he said, well, why are you calling in? He said, well, because I I, I party a lot. Uh, I'm out on Friday and Saturday night. I'm usually coming home smashed. I do all kinds of stuff. And he said, that's just kind of who my life is. And he said, and then I've got this teenage brother in his teens, and he said, I started looking at his life and, and he doesn't do any of that stuff and he, he's totally peaceful with himself. And I realized I do a lot of these things because I want people to fit in. I want, I want. And he said, I thought, my goodness, I need to be like my teenage brother. And he said, I asked my teenage brother, what is it, man, about you? You don't have to do all that stuff. You seem to be satisfied with who you are and you're not out trying to make all these people happy. You don't go to the clubs every night. You, you, you do your own thing. What is it about you? And he said, well, I, I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't need all that. And, and he said, well, tell me how to do it. And he said, my young brother, teenager, led me to the Lord. And he said, so I want to be like him. Now, now listen, listen, teenagers, listen. The word of God says, Do not let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers. There are some adults in here that need to witness your life and your love and the legacy. You're already leaving for them. Some of you could be an influence on your family and you don't even realize it. You say, Dan, oh, they put me down for it. I, I know. Probably partly because they don't know how to handle that you stand up for the Lord. And so understand that peer pressure goes both ways. There is a positive peer pressure, and I'm asking you teams to be witnesses of it. The second thing, second P coming up on the screen, is pride. Pride can mess you up. Listen to me very carefully. You teens in here, you may not have seen it yet. You don't even know what it is yet, but you have a gift to do something. I, I, I can't tell you what it is yet. You said, Dan, I'm 17. I don't even know what I'm going to do with my life. I didn't figure that out until I was 30. 30 years old, guys. So if somebody comes to your open house next year, your high school graduation, and they say, hey, what are you going to do? And you say, I'm really embarrassed. I don't have an answer. Just, here's your answer. I'm like Dan Seaborn. No clue. No clue. I'm 30 years old, still trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. I had never spoken in my life. When I felt the call to become a pastor and to speak, I remember telling my wife, Jane, she might be watching online right now, she watched first service, and I, I remember telling her, Babe, I feel called to be a preacher. She said to me, You can't speak. The reason was because I'd given my testimony in college. It was a debacle, man. I stood up there. I don't even know what I said, but it was embarrassing. She's like, "Dude, no, get him off the stage. (laughs) He's awful." (laughs) And watch, I'm gonna be very vulnerable here. So last week, I had some someone come up to me and pay me a compliment about my speaking. That is was it was ridiculous what they said to me was ridiculous in terms of a compliment i thanked them and i walked away and i remember thinking in my mind do not do not be prideful of that do not think it's about you y'all need to understand something okay i love to speak I i couldn't wait to get here this morning to preach i love to preach okay but i don't think i'm all that as a preacher here's why my mom taught me as a young boy son don't you ever praise yourself. If other people praise you, no problem. Don't you ever praise yourself because the only thing you are is supposed to bring glory to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something. God, I believe, literally gave me the gift of speaking because even my own wife said you can't do it. God gave me the ability to talk a little bit. I can talk decent. And here's what I want you to know. He could take right now. He could, t- he could take my larynx. He could take my voice. Be gone. That quick, it would be gone. If I find my identity and my ability to speak, <laughs> he could take it away that quick. Because this is not my gift, it's his gift to me. So, so some teen in here who's been really gifted with something, be careful. Because people will start praising you and you'll start thinking, well, I guess I'm somebody. I was watching the U.S. Open. This is what we do. I'm not trying to rag on these two girls, but I want to show you something that happened. I'm watching the U.S. Open. The tennis match, okay? I'm, I'm just sitting on my couch watching it. And all of a sudden, this next scene happened. I, I'll show it to you in a, midi- in a video. The video starts with a little bit of tennis, then it goes right. These two girls are in the stands, and they've got a cell phone. And, and to me, it exemplifies the way we are as a society. But I, I, I want, they did you know, the camera cuts to them. They have no idea they're on TV. So I, ba- I DVR my TV, backed it up, and I, I stood up with my cell phone and video to what you're about to see because I thought I got to use this in a sermon. So I want you to watch what comes talking about pride, how we get caught up in our stuff. So here's these two girls at the U.S. Open, and they didn't even know anybody was watching. Just watch the girl. I mean, it's like, it's so good. That is so good. So good. They're just in the stands totally being innocent. They're caught up in their looks. And I stopped, and I thought, that's what we do. I'm like, I am such a good speaker, don't y'all know? What, what? No, if you have any gift, let me tell you where it came from, God gave it to you. Now, you can enhance it, I can work at being a better speaker, but God gave it to me. Some of you are athletic. You, you work and train yourself, that's awesome, but you were given a gift of athleticism. Some of you have a really good brain. You make 4.0, I didn't make 4.0, I could study the rest of my life and won't make 4.0. You were given a gift. Don't walk around going, got a gift man I am something else because that's what happens in our society we get so caught up in us and if you want to know how to go to the bottom get caught up in yourself pride will take you down Let let me remind you so far All the people, all the all all the presidents we've had, other than those who are still alive, all the people who have founded these great things, all those who have done this. Guess what? They all do at the end. They all die. They all die. And you will too. And you, using teenager, you using your gift, not for yourself, but to bring glory to God, to be a witness for Him. That's what will matter. Don't get caught up in yourself. It's a killer pee. Peer pressure. Pride. Here's the next P coming up on the screen. Poor counsel. Some of the adults in this room today, teenagers, are in a real mess because the people they go to counsel for are giving them bad advice. Here, 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 here's the way I want to check with you on this. If today I could bring the top two people, okay, that the two people in your life who you go to when you're making a decision, teenagers, millennials who are here, even elementary, just listen to me a second. I want you to bring the two people in your mind, bring them, sit them right here. Got A sitting here, B standing here. Number one, number two, the top two people you give advice, give you advice in life right there, sit them right there, okay? Okay. I'm talking, those you really, not who you think you should use, who you really go to. A and B. Now, you walk with me. You walk with me over here. We're going to stand over here a second. Me and you now are standing over here, and your one and two is standing right there. Let me ask you a question. Let's ask you a question. Those two people, are they running after Christ. Don't, don't justify it if you're trying to justify a second. Would you say those two people, as you watch their life, they have their eyes fixed on Jesus? That was our verse this morning. It, do they have their eyes to, Are they giving you advice that is going to advance you in your life? Or are they giving you poor counsel? If they're giving you poor counsel, let me suggest this to you. Push them out of spot A and B over to some other spot and get people here who care about you probably more than you care about yourself. Wise counsel is so huge for your life. Who you put in these two spots will determine where you go. You need wise people who are chasing after the Lord. I remember with my children, I said to them, hey guys, look as you're dating, hanging out with people, run toward Jesus, look to the right and left and see anybody else who's running toward Jesus. I don't care their race, I don't care their creed, I don't care anything. If they're running toward Jesus, go with those people because those people are the people we need to chase. And all of you in this room know how easy it is to fall into the peer pressure club or the I want to do this club because sometimes following Jesus is lonely. And let me remind you, there's a verse of scripture that says it's called the straight and narrow way. Yes, it's not wide. The people who follow Jesus, it's not this big old huge wide thing. It's pretty tight. So you're limited. Yes, limited. You can't always do what you want to do. It's called life. Life. And Jesus said, if you'll follow me, it might look tight and it might look rugged and it might look you have to give us a lot of up. But trust me, all that stuff you have to get up in the end, you will be glad you gave it up because you get me as your finisher. And I'm asking you today, teenagers, millennials, would you consider making sure the people who are giving you counsel are wise? One more little P I'll hit you with. We don't have time. I have about 30 of them, but this will be our fourth. (laughs) Presuming you have tomorrow. Uh, Right here would be a normal spot to cue the story of someone who was 17 and lost their life. I'm not going to do that. In fact, for a moment, as I prepare this message, I want to stop and speak only to parents who have lost a child. I am sorry. There's nothing like it. I haven't experienced it. I tell parents who I work with who have lost a child, I cannot come fully alongside you. I'll probably say something that's wrong. That doesn't, it comes out wrong. I don't mean to. You are in a club that no one really wants to be a part of, and you know that. And today, I'm sorry if you had a child who presumed they had the next day and didn't get that day. You are sometimes hurting beyond description. And as a pastor, I thought of you when I was preparing this message. I thought of what it would be like to be you sitting through this message longing for your child to have heard this sermon. And I'm sorry today, and I offer a hug to you. If you come up to me after, I'll give you a hug. Because you parents who have lost a child, thank you for pressing on. And may the Lord continue to be with you and give you strength. And now I want to speak to the teenagers because I'm not going to cue the story of being 17, getting in the car and something happened. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it this way. If you knew, just play along with me. If you knew tomorrow is your last day on the earth, if you knew tomorrow was your life, somebody could come and tell you for sure that's happening. Would you live any differently the rest of today? If you have to answer yes to that, then go ahead and make that change. Don't wait for tomorrow. Because what you're telling me is, I'm really not living the way I ought. And the Bible says today, I'm speaking again to all you teenagers here, but just understand the adults got in on this too because they struggle with this stuff too. And it says in this passage, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of the faith. Watch this. I'm going to show you. Lately, I've been doing something. In fact, I did it at the beach this week. I've been doing, at the age of 57, I started doing what I did back in high school and what I did when I was with my boys and they were on the basketball team, a thing called leg lunges. That's where you walk and you dip really far when you walk. Let me tell those of you who aren't 57 yet, if you do it for the first time when you're 57, it feels really bad the next morning. (laughs) You will struggle even going to the restroom, let me tell you that. But lately, and I did it on the beach, and I do it in my neighborhood, what I do is, because I've been doing it a lot, I've been working a lot on that, and I fix my eyes on where I want to go, like, for example, that wall. Because when I start doing these leg lunges, let me just tell you, if I did what I wanted to do, I would be stopping right now. If I look down, I'd be like, okay, I'm good, I'm all good. But if I fix my eyes on the wall, I am not going to stop. I don't care how bad it gets. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to get to that stinking wall. I can get to that wall. You can get to that wall. If you tell yourself to get to the wall, you'll get to the wall. And today, if you tell yourself, I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus, here's what we do. We start following Jesus and all of a sudden, well, that road over there looks pretty good too. (laughs) And we don't go toward Jesus. And many of you in this room at the age of 60 know what I'm talking about. And today I'm asking you, (laughs) and now I'm breathing heavy, and today I'm asking you, what do you have your eyes fixed on? Hey, teenager, what you got your eyes fixed on? Hey, 25-year-old, what you got your eyes fixed on? Hey, 50-year-old, what you got your eyes fixed on? Hey, 80-year-old, you're getting close. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus for a few more steps. We are all witnesses. Let's go out of here and be witnesses for Jesus. Father God, I bow my head to pray. I ask you to bless us as human beings, little finite creatures with infinite souls. Help us to take a step when we leave here more toward you. Forgive us, Lord, for getting tangled up in the stinking, crappy sins of this world. I pray that you would use our lives, that grandmas and grandpas, great, great grandmas and grandpas who are witnessing our lives would say, good job, faithful ones. Help some teen today grab that stinking net they got around their neck and throw it aside. Help them to run the race. Help them to persevere. And may we all finish this race seeking to bring glory to you. We ask it in Jesus' name we all said, amen. Bless you generations as you continue to love the Lord. Thanks for letting me come and preach.